Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash new music industry. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Today I'm chatting with UK-based musician, producer, and songwriter, Malcolm Baba McCarthy. How are you, Baba? Hello. I'm good. I, it's four o'clock in the afternoon, and we actually have some sun here in England, so it's all good. I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. yeah, it's like about minus one degree Celsius here in, in Calgary, which is not too bad for this time of year. Oh, I think it should, should warm up a little more through today. And I've had the chance to read up a little bit about you and your bio and everything, but I think first things first, I'm sure for my listeners, they would love for you to share your story and how you got to this point in being a full-time musician. Mm. Well, long road, I would say, but Mm. um, really interesting road. So I actually went to university to study history. (laughs) I was (laughs) going to become a lawyer. I was going to become a lawyer. And um, I finished my degree and, you know, I was looking at law school and I just decided oh, I want to take a year out and and go to music college, meet a ton of people and just, you know, enjoy music for a year before I went off to law school again. But then actually in that year, I was like, oh, man, I need to give this a shot because I started meeting a ton of people started who then started um, hiring me for, for gigs and little tours. And so... I was like, you know what? Let me let me put all the law stuff on hold and um, and go for it. So I, I in that time, you know, I didn't get a ton of gigs. Probably the first year, so I, I, I did a bit of um, peripatetic teaching. So I, I taught piano at um, a secondary school or high school, as you guys would call it. Mm. And um, yeah, that helped me going, helped me afloat until um, I got a tour that come in that came in that would be a bit more sort of consistent. And so that's when I think, I think that's when I was like, okay, let's, let's go for this full time. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've been doing it for the last, I guess, six, seven years. So it's been a, been a fun testing, exciting, you know, all those the above. So it's yeah. been pretty cool. <clears throat> you know, something that I'm regularly on about is this whole thing about school and no doubt I'm sure it had some benefit in your journey. But there's also some fairly apparent, I think, deficiencies in school. I'm wondering if it equipped you and left you with all the tools you needed to succeed in music or if you found that there was a lot more that you actually needed, skills you needed to pick up or experiences you needed to have to become a full-time musician. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I agree mostly with you on that point. I, I'm not 100% sure, um, like, the necessity of going to school. I think... Mm. The, Main thing that for me that was able to two things it was I was able to sort out my technique. So I went to, to I played the keys and I played the drums. But I went when I went to uh, music college, it was the drums that I specialised in. So I was able to sort out my technique, which was horrific. <laughs> so that that actually was something that I needed to sort out. But I guess you know if you had a private tutor or whatever, that you know that could be sorted out. And the other thing was. Um, I was able to meet a ton of people 
And I think that really was, for me anyway, that was super important. Coming from, I hadn't, the school was in London, I hadn't been in London for a few years, coming back just to have an immediate network of people to kind of um, know and who would, you know, give me gigs. That I think that was one of the biggest things about going to college. Mm. Yeah, that's the but same. there are a ton of other things you can do. You know, there's jam nights. You can go and meet people. You, you know, there's, there's other ways. Absolutely. You know, it's the same thing I've heard from other musicians as well. Like school mm. helps you work on your technique and you also get to meet a ton of people. So you got a, like an established base of, base of contacts that you can tap into for gigs and exactly. opportunities and, and all that, which is like that you need that foundation no matter what. Exactly. Yeah. Obviously, it still kind of leaves you not knowing things like how to manage your money, which because most people actually don't know how to do that <laughs> or like social exactly. media marketing or any of that yeah. kind of stuff. It's, it's so crazy. Now I think back to it, I'm, I'm like, why do schools, like I remember when I had to do my first year of taxes mm-hmm. and I had no idea. So I was asking fellow musicians who, you know, who'd done a few years of, of, of their taxes and asking, oh, what does this mean? How do I do this? What, what it can be claimed as expenses? And it's just, I still don't get why schools don't really invest in it. I guess it's the less glamorous side of being a musician. So maybe they don't want to invest as much into it um but yeah i mean it's it's silly really (laughs) yeah i think schools are vast majority of them are sort of based on a 200 year old system of pumping out factory workers you know it's changed a little bit through the years to be Mm. fair but for the Mm. most part that's what they're trying to create is is, you know employees who are submissive and will do their job and uh, and the thing thing is, things are, things are changing, right? The culture is changing, and we're kind of in the gig economy now, and a lot of people have side hustles. So yeah, side hustles. And what I realized when I came out is there are actually a lot of different alternatives in our music industry yes. to pursue. Like I knew nothing about uh, you know writing for adverts, and because that wasn't really when I was at school. I was only there for a year. I, it wasn't really something talked about. It was all about being a session musician, you know, um, d- doing big gigs and things like that. So there, there's a, there's loads of different alternatives as well. To you don't have to just stick to a thing that is, you know, seen on Instagram. You know, drummers, <laughs> you know, on on big stages with you know endorsements and all that stuff, sort of stuff. So, oh yeah. yeah. Like I have friends sort of crying about this whole thing of one minute videos on Instagram and that's the new thing in the music industry and you can't capture people's attention for longer than one minutes and they're they're really yeah. like sore about this. And I said, Well, if you're on Instagram, I guess, but I'm not really I don't participate in the social media world overly much and I'm not too concerned about it. I realize the importance of a following because I'm also an author, but uh, yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, just playing well, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm friends with, uh, there's actually this guy who, who's a fixer for a lot of the TV stuff that I do. And, uh, you know, a lot of people hit him up and, you know, hey man, have you got any gigs going? Um, here's my resume, you know, check it out. Here's my Instagram, check it out. And he, he always goes back to the, the root of, Look, if I want if I want to hear you play, I want to hear you play live. I want to actually even invite me on the gig and invite me to play, so I can I can play with you and see 
how you sound and you know so that's an interesting aspect as well absolutely definitely i think that's what people ultimately want if they're gonna consider hiring you and to your point earlier about there being many income streams in in music like i have people constantly coming to me wanting to guest post or advertise on my website or get get their links on my website and (laughs) i swear to you the communication some days is just like i'm trying to tame the tiger as it were because these people expect me to be on call and have a ton of questions and messages and come back to me later wanting to change their content and all this kind of stuff wow yeah yeah. I'm just trying to set this tone that like I charge for everything, guys. So unless you're gonna pay me <laughs> for it, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I get I, that. I get that. <laughs> I've had to tame that tiger because there's so many people coming to me for this. But it, it's it's you know, it's mm. an opportunity. It's not a it's not a pain. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's great, man. It's exciting because Yeah. Yeah, that means the things are things are going up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just a sign of success in a way. Mm-hmm. Now, you can certainly correct me if I'm wrong in saying this, but it occurs to me that some of the best rock bands have come out of UK, which tells me there's a pretty high standard for musicians, right? But you have people staying, saying stuff like, you're one of the best out there. So what did it take for you to rise to that level? Oh, <laughs> I mean, first of all, it's always quite humbling if people say that about, you know, an individual like say that about me it's something you know i'm like oh really but it's it's nice it's a nice feeling because you know um i know there'll be a lot of guys out there that have put in hours and hours and hours of trying to perfect their craft you know for me it's (laughs) it's doing scales and um playing to click and all these sorts of things so there's there's definitely been i feel like years of investment you know, both on my craft, but also, you know, interesting things like gear, mm-hmm. you know, like for me getting um, the right keyboards, the right synthesizers, the right, um, you know, for my kit, the right drum, snares, cymbals. So those are things that I think get often overlooked because those are the things that help give your sound you know so um that's that those have been important i think just connection as well on a lot of these gigs it'll be people that are repeats that that have already hired me before if you see what i mean yes so it's it's you know it's doing a great job on when you first meet a new person doing a great job on that gig so that hopefully they'll rehire you or they'll recommend you to someone else. And actually that's how I have got a lot of my work, you know, it hasn't been a ton of different, a ton of different bands or artists that have reached out, you know, it probably limited to, you know, 10 people that have recommended me. And then that person has then recommended me or, you know, things like that. Mm. Um, I would say is, is, which is, helped my career so far. So, um, I think just as well being able to be versatile. Um, I do a lot of pop gigs. And mm-hmm. so uh, nowadays, you know, money's tight for these managements. They're, they're asking me to do more and more for not for the same price, <laughs> wow. as it were. So, um, 
just trying to adapt to that, whether that's learning how to um, run track, you know, having your Ableton and Logic up to date and, and knowing how to uh, run track through uh, an interface, you know, all these kind of things, which I think just help in the long term. You've touched on a few things there that I definitely want to get into. The first thing is let's sure. maybe just geek out about gear. So what sort of mm. gear are you using this, these days and what's your favorite piece of gear? Oh, wow. Uh, you know, I'm really happy with the gear I've got right now in terms of both keys and drums. Mm-hmm. Um, so for keys wise, I've got um, Nord Stage 88, which is like ah, my yes. workhorse. Nords like are awesome. All encompassing. Nords are awesome. They're great organs, great pianos, great roads. Yes. Uh, it's just really quick. You know what? The great thing about the Nords is they're really quick to um, sort of um, tweak on the fly. Um, it, so that that's that's my workhorse. I've got a Core Kronos as, a, as one of my synths. Um, I've got a Prophet Six, which is a, an analog synthesizer, mm. uh, which is is amazing. Like. It's one of those things that actually that has got me a lot of gigs hmm. as opposed to my actual playing, um, which is amazing, it, it, which is weird to say, but it, <laughs> it is. We hear it. I've been in rehearsals where people have heard it and gone, oh my gosh, what is that sound? What, you know, and then the next week they'll have hired me for a studio session. Wow. So, it, um, yeah, it's, it's that, 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 um, Synth has, has been quite revolutionary for me, and it's um, um, it's great. I use that on my production stuff as well. Um, and then drums, um, uh, Gretsch Renown's my kit. Got a couple of Ludwig snares, um, K Zildjian lights as my cymbals. I'm just really cut. I think now I'm just really comfortable with what I've got. I think if you're a musician, it's not like you necessarily have to get, you know, the exact same things that I've said, mm-hmm. but just be comfortable with the stuff you have and be like, okay, I can pretty much do anything that I'm asked with what I've got, which I feel like I kind of can in terms of making sounds or, you know, having sort of piccolo snares as well as deep snares. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the, I got really nerdy with my gear chat. I that's just love great. gear. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you, you know, as a guitarist, like I spent years hunting for that perfect tone, right? And, and I couldn't yeah. find it. Yeah. Right. I had this little practice amp. I knew that wasn't it. Then I bought like a 112 combo amp and it had some good tones in it, but I could still, that mm. still wasn't it. Finally got a Marshall thinking, ah, oh, this is going to do it. Nope, <laughs> that wasn't it either. And then at that point, the closest that I got to was like I, I bought a, a cabinet. I think it was a blue voodoo cabinet. I don't think they're even available anymore. But it had, oh, yeah, yeah. Has, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, but it has vintage 30s in it, which turned out to be my perfect speaker. So I was like getting really yeah. close at that point. Yeah. And, and my head was a, a Mesa Boogie dual rectifier. So that offered like a really transparent tone to where I thought, yeah, yeah. This, is, this is getting there. And it sounded... Yeah, yeah. 
but it sounded best when it was turned up. So if I couldn't turn it up, it just wasn't going to give me quite the time right, that I right. wanted. And then a few right. years later, finally, what I came across was the PV6505 head, which is technically okay. like Eddie Van Halen's 5150. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like an orange cabinet with a vintage 30 in it. And that is, I'm, I'm done. I don't need to look any further. That's it. That's <laughs> yeah. it. I think that's what it's all about, man. Like, if you get, it's like getting the tone for the sound that you hear in your head. Yes. Uh, and, and, and that's super important. And I think that's like your voice as a musician um, to be able to do that. And people go, oh my gosh, that sound, it, it sounds like, you know, Bubba, David, whatever, you know, whoever it is. Yeah. Because you just hear that sound and you're like, oh my gosh, that's their kit or that's their, that's the sounds that they, they're getting from their synth, you know. And then another thing you mentioned was getting repeat gigs, which I think is so important and often mm -hmm. overlooked. And I think maybe consciously or subconsciously, there's things you're doing that help you get those repeat gigs. Is there anything you can yeah. think of that just maybe showing up on time and being a really good player? Or is there a little bit more to yeah. it? It's really sad. For me, people almost act surprised when I've done all my homework. Ah. That that says to me that there are a lot of musicians that rock up and haven't necessarily like learned everything, which is so strange. You think, you know, once you get a gig, okay, learn everything so that you just come off as professional. Because obviously it goes without saying you want to be the most professional you can be. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, repeat gigs from, yeah, knowing my stuff, really. And then I think the, the hang is is actually really important. I think that probably go gets overlooked. Like, especially for these tours, if you're on a tour with and someone hires you, they want to be able to enjoy your company. Mm. So I think, I, I, I think just being a decent, a decent guy or girl, um, just being able to get along with who you're on the road with or who you do the gig with. And, um, yeah, so I think those those two things: being super professional, you know, on time, learning your stuff, and enjoying yourself. Like, I think that it's it's quite infectious when you're on a gig and you're enjoying yourself. You you don't sound too depressed. You're not going off on one, you know. <laughs> so I think those are important. There's probably loads of stuff I've missed out on on that whole repeat gig thing. Yeah, I would say just because first impressions are. So Super, super important. So if you're, if someone's hired you for the first time, like say they're the guitarist and you're the keys player, um, you, you just got to give off a good, good impression. Otherwise, the likelihood is, yeah, you you would have made money from that gig, but they might not call you again. And I think that's a lost opportunity. Mm. Those are all really great points. And then the other thing you mentioned was about being versatile, which I think is pretty important here in the music industry today. I have nearly 30 ways I've made money in, in music now. And I'm not saying that all of them have been huge, but uh, yeah, I, keep, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I have a blog post and then keep increasing that number just to kind of show musicians out there that are, you know, talking about, I can't make any money, showing them what's possible, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. people will come to me and say, I don't get it when I say, well, because you're focused on music sales and live performance and that's it. And there is money in those things, but if that's all you focus on, it can be challenging. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You hit the nail on the head with that one. 
I think, yeah, people just, I think just being open and researching and seeing what different opportunities are out there. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, yeah, things, um, websites like yourself, like the, um, and then there's, you know, there's other, other websites, which, yes, a ton of opportunities, you know, Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of websites with, with great opportunities and it's a matter of just keeping your, keeping your head to the ground, so to speak, you know, being willing to try, try different things or just being open to do, doing things in a different way. Um, that, that's not completely outside of what you're trying to accomplish. So this next question I'm asking many people because I kind of have the, the, this hope of maybe one day turning this into a course or a book. I have many other books and courses that I'm in the process of creating, so that's it's not on the fr- it's not on the front burner. But uh, I still yeah. I still love to create something around this, which is music sales. Mm. So, mm. how important are music sales for you? And what's one tactic tactic you've tried that's helped you sell more music than anything else? I, I would always say, first and foremost, that. The, the intention has to be that I want to produce the best music that I can. Mm. And um, unless it's, unless you're specifically writing for an advert or like a film trailer or then it needs to be, okay, what, what can I give? What can I specifically give that is different and fresh and high quality? Because the, the issue with, well, I don't know if it's an issue right now, but, it's this, this. It's a good thing. There's so much music out there. Yes. But it, it's it's like the, the the stuff that isn't up to scratch will just get sifted out. And so just just being on it and, and creating as good music as you can, mm. um, and collaboration, I think is super important. Like collaborating with different people who bring different ideas who. You know, whether it's melodies, lyrics, or even business-wise, like they're like, okay, I can help you out in this way. Why don't we pitch this to this person? So I think it, just being really open to that, so having good quality stuff and collaborating, I'd say my two things. Absolutely, and and that can be challenging too, in a sense, right? Because some people, well, I wouldn't say some people. It's just that the, the being prolific is just as important too sometimes as trying to perfect your tracks, but you still have to create great quality music. So like, I think a lot of musicians are living in that uh, duality. Well, I, I, I 100% agree with the, um, the uh, being prolific because yes. uh, say, I, say last year I wrote you know, 70 to 100 songs. If I'm going to be really honest, mm. There will be good, good. There'll be really good quality, but there'll only be about ten that I'm like, yeah, this is really, right. this is on point. Because you're constantly, whilst you're writing, you're constantly fine tuning your art, fine tuning your the way you write. So not everything is going to be brilliant. Uh, so I, I agree with being prolific, but just being just constantly trying to work to a super high standard. And finishing stuff. Sorry, that's a big thing. A lot mm. of people just don't, don't finish their music, which is a weird thing to say, but they will write and but will be fearful of finishing it or releasing it. So, mm. yeah, it's really obvious, but yeah, you won't get music sales if you don't 
belief. Yeah. Definitely, that's so true, <laughs> and it's relevant. So, it, 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 trust me, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people going, "Ah, fair play!" Like, yeah, I've got like 20 tracks just sitting on my laptop that aren't finished, but, oh. but they feel good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no doubt. I think I think you're speaking right to the musicians right now. There are people out there with sitting with music on their hard drives. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think, you know, part of what you're speaking to there is, uh, you know, I, what came to mind for me was Thriller, right? Uh, Quincy Jones and, and, and Michael Jackson. Mm. And really, yeah. I don't know how many tracks they worked, they created for that album, but ultimately they whittled mm. it down to nine, right? Like the rumor exactly. has it, it was hundreds or maybe even a thousand tracks that they created. And they just took mm. the best and said, these are the ones. Not being super precious as well. Like, okay, that's finished. Okay, let's do the next one, mm. which is actually something I've had to work on because, you know, you create a track and you think it's the best thing in the world. <laughs> and in reality, it might be, but you need to get cracking with going again, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's it's the artistic tendency to be precious about your creations. <laughs> mm, yeah. It happens a lot. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So are there any books or resources that have helped you on your journey? That is a super interesting question. Yeah. You know, I, I'm I'm a, a super reader, mm. so, but it's, it's not necessarily in music. Right. Um, but, um, so I, I, I love reading books. I love all the Malcolm Gladwell stuff. You know what? There's a book called The Power of Habit, which really helped me. Ah. Uh, I can't actually remember. Let me see if I can. Was it Charles, Charles the, Duhigg? Yeah, it sounds yes, that sounds right. I'm I, guessing I've read that book. Yeah, yeah, and and for me that just really helped because um, I wanted to find routine. I think as a creative, sometimes we struggle to get a routine. So, you know, if we're doing gigs in the evening, what do we do with the rest of the day? You know, all that kind of thing. So for me, it was like, how do I get good habits going? You know, things like getting up early or, you know, mm. making sure this is what I've done by the end of the week, you know, all that kind of stuff. And that, that relates to stuff like finances as well, making sure you're on top of all of that stuff. So, um, yeah, that was a big book for me in terms of, like, focus on career stuff. Yeah, and you mentioned Malcolm Gladwell, which I think there he has some really great works as well that I've <clears throat> that I've either referenced or touched on in some of my books and, and resources too. Uh, you know, the outlier, yeah. outliers thing is certainly applicable, right? Master, yeah. Mastery takes ten thousand exactly. hours. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Right on. So people do talk about that in the music industry as well. And you can also be you can also be an eighty twenty artist. <laughs> that would be more Tim Ferriss's approach, right? To to become really good at certain skills so that you don't have to put in the ten thousand hours, but uh, just right. kind of get the get the eighty percent. But I think ultimately you want to be a really good musician, and yeah, you're going to work on the finer details to get to that one hundred percent. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time and generosity, Baba. Is there anything else I should have asked? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's an interesting one. Is there anything particular you uh, wanted to ask? 
<laughs> there's always there's always so many questions and uh, not enough time. That's that's how this often goes. Um, yeah. But uh, I, think, I think I think um, just going back to what you said about um, the repeat stuff, I've really I've realized how important relationships are. Yes. In the music industry, because um, you, first of all, if you're known as that person who's not he's a bit of an idiot it word will get round but if you if you're known as that person who's great to get on with that also gets round and and in terms of like repeat work and like i was just thinking about my i work for this artist called john newman and um we actually i came on board as a, a keyboard player and went really well and we we're still touring and we've been touring for a few years now and he's the one who actually signed me for a publishing deal. Hmm. And so that, that was like taking a relationship, a working relationship, and then expanding on that. And because I've always wanted to, to, to write and, and spend a lot of time in the studio. So that, that was like a progression from our like work relationship to a publishing thing. So I think it's really worth investing in the people that you meet. Yeah. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And honestly, from like day one of my podcasting career, that's what people have been sharing with me, which I got started in 2009. This, this podcast is somewhat new in that I started in 2016, but I have been podcasting about the music industry since 2009. So from day one, I'm telling you, people have been talking about networking, meeting people, creating relationships. And I I can't agree more. It it definitely. Yeah. 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 I mean, for me, there's a slight difference between the networking and the relationship. Like I think if the relationship is, is worked on and I think that then the the networking comes automatically, if you know what I mean, like it, it would just be a natural, natural thing. I think um, sometimes just going out with, okay, I'm going to network today. Like, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure how far it goes in, in the music industry is like just straight up, like, hey man, this is what I do. You know, I think in general, people want to get to know you. And, yeah. and if, they, if they do, then from that, yeah, you might get, a, you know, people, oh man, yeah, I love that guy. Let me get, let me get him some work. You know, that, that's my theory on it anyway. And that's my, that's my experience on relationship and networking. Absolutely. And, you know, I shared in a recent podcast, I, I mentioned that when I get gigs, generally I'm not the one booking them anymore. It's, it's collaborators, mm. it's other musicians, it's band leaders, exactly. it's friends. If I try to go and book my own gigs, it doesn't happen. <laughs> but, <Right. laughs> but if it comes through a referral or a friend, then, uh, then I got a gig and, it's yeah. so, it's so funny, you know. It, it seems backwards, but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't hustle for gigs anymore. Generally, that's good, man. You're lucky. <laughs> I, I know, I know, because <laughs> most people have to hustle for the gigs. Yeah, yeah. It's like a progression career. Like, okay, you're not having to. Hey, man, have you got any work? That's great. Yeah, that's been super cool. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap up this show. Thank you so much for joining me. Sure. Where can people find you online? Find me on Insta. I think that's the easiest way, actually. Okay. Um, uh, Bubba MCC one <laughs> um, is my Instagram, and yeah, come hang. If you want any any questions, 
um, yeah, guys, yeah, hit me up. Awesome. I'll be sure to look you up as well. Wicked. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Music in this episode was brought to you by Brian Young. Wherever you're listening to this right now, please consider leaving a five-star review and comment to help us get the word out about the podcast. Thank you.